think if you think about the energy industry, whether it's oil and gas or in sustainability or in the gas pipeline business or water management or whatever, whatever it is, we need to tell a better story because we serve an incredible purpose. Welcome to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast featuring conversations with leaders of the energy transition, hosted by Smart Energy Decisions founder, John Fiella. In each episode of Smart Energy Voices, John digs deep with industry movers and shakers to reveal insights you can learn from in their stories, personalities, and visions for the future. All right, let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Smart Energy Voices. I'm John Fiella. I hope you've been enjoying season two of the podcast, and we'd absolutely love to have you subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Today, we're sharing an important conversation in the continuing series of sessions we've produced under the theme Inspiring Diversity in Energy. Our goal with this series is to raise awareness and action around the topic of diversity in the energy industry. This conversation took place at our recent Renewable Energy Forum between Deborah Channel, our Director of Content and Research, and Talisa Tolliver, General Manager of Renewable Power at Chevron Pipeline and Power. It's an important conversation, so let's get right into it. Please enjoy the conversation with Deborah and Talisa. Welcome to our session, Inspiring Diversity in Energy. This is the third session in our series. We started a year ago at the Accelerate Philly event and included another discussion at this year's Distributed Energy Forum. And our goal is really to raise awareness and action around the topic of diversity in the energy industry, which doesn't have a great reputation. About a year ago, there was a survey in the Wall Street Journal, and it put the energy industry at number 10 of 11 fields. So there's some work to be done. And with the events in the world over the past year, it's really become top of mind. It's become a little easier or at least more open to talk about, but it's still not easy and it's still not being done enough. So we want to facilitate conversations within organizations and among all the people in the energy industry. And one of our inspirations for this series is this book, The Energy Within Us an illuminating perspective from five trailblazers. And we've been lucky enough to have some of the authors on our stage already. And we're really thrilled to welcome another one with us today. And that is Talisa Tolliver, who is General Manager of Renewable Power at Chevron. Talisa, thank you so much for being with us today. And why don't we start by just having you do a brief introduction of yourself and what you're doing at Chevron. And then we're gonna work our way back to find out how you got there because it's an interesting journey. Okay, thank you very much. And and first, I'd just like to say thank you for inviting me for this, what I think is a very important discussion. Just really am, am grateful for Smart Energy Decisions' willingness to sort of engage on this topic. Again, as you said, I'm Talisa Tolliver. I'm General Manager of Renewable Power for Chevron. And I characterize myself as a sort of a small town girl from Oklahoma who has had the opportunity to travel around the globe and really understand what this whole issue of energy and access to energy is about. I've had the pleasure of working in a lot of different countries. I've had the pleasure of working throughout the value chain within the oil and gas industry. So certainly in the upstream, in our operations, I've had the, I've worked in our refineries. 
I've worked in the midstream and pipeline and power where I am today. And I've also worked in corporate staff. And so I've kind of seen the gamut of the value chain of energy. It's been a journey, as you indicated, and and it's been a long journey. I've been in this industry for almost 30 years. Right now, I am general manager of Renewable Power for Chevron. I'm also the chair of the board of the American Association of Blacks and Energy, which we'll talk about, but is also a very important organization uh, for me and I think for the industry today. Great. Thank you. We agree. Um, They've been on our stage as well, and we're very happy to give them whatever airtime we can because they do a great job. So I want to talk a little bit about this journey of yours, and it has not been a very linear one, but it started basically in college and where you did an internship and then were recruited. So why don't you talk a little bit about how you got into this field? Thank you. So, so being from Oklahoma and, of course, being surrounded by oil and gas industry, I tell people I had absolutely no intention of being in this industry. I went to a historically Black college and university, Tuskegee University, but I also knew I wanted to intern. I thought that was a great way to get introduced to whatever industry I was going to go into. And I happened to be interviewed by a gentleman from Gulf Oil who interviewed me. I got a couple of offers. And I think you'll see in my book that I talk about sort of selecting the one that that offered me the most money at the time. But I was very, very interested in talking with him and his journey. And and when I asked him, how many African-Americans do you guys have where you work? And his response was, you're looking at them. Understanding that at that time, there were still the same issues that we're faced with today. Yes, there's been some improvement, but but the issues are still there. I started out in sort of an analyst role and just sort of moved around because I am a business grad. I'm, I'm a unicorn in this industry because I'm, I'm not an engineer. But I've been able to go where I felt there were opportunities. I've taken a lot of risk in my career because I'm, I don't have a linear path and I never had a linear path. But I went to those places where I thought I could make a difference. I went to those places where... I thought the company needed me and where I had interest. I've been in the business development field, commercial field for most of my career. It's just not, it hasn't been a traditional path, but I wouldn't trade it for the world because it's enabled to me have, to have a real breadth of experience. And taking risks is certainly one theme that runs through your journey. And another one is developing relationships. Talk a little bit about that. And that, I guess, started with the gentleman who first recruited you for that internship. Talk about the importance of that. At the end of the day, business development and success in it is about building relationships and trust. And you have to do that over your career. And, and, and I've always said you have to find people that you connect with, find people that you admire. And some of these relationships happen organically and, and some of them happen because you make them happen, right? And so I think it's a, it's a combination of both. And when I'm mentoring employees at Chevron or, or outside of Chevron, I always tell them that it's important to have relationships within your your workspace, but also outside of your workspace to have people to to bounce things off of, folks that you can learn things from, but folks that can also help you in your career over time. And I just think it's so important, and particularly in business development, relationships matter, and relationships are very important to achieving the goals that you want to achieve at the end of the day. And you touched on something on that answer that's really important. I think you started off being mentored and you in turn are now mentoring other people. So you've been on both sides of that fence. And I think that's a really important point that a lot of the 
the people that are watching this today, a lot of our energy managers are probably in a position to help out other people and to bring them up as well. Any advice on how to do that? Where do you start? Well, I think particularly if you're focusing on diversity, I, th- I think the women and minorities in, in our organizations may or may not always have the access to leadership that, that others do. And so I think it's very important to give them the same opportunities and relationships that others have in the organization. And I think leaders can be visible role models in that space so that other leaders can can mimic that behavior. And I think it's important because you need to have someone who believes that you can you can achieve whatever you're trying to achieve in your career. But you do need that advice. You do need someone to teach you about what works in one culture versus another culture. All of our companies have different sort of DNA and cultures, and you need to be able to learn about that. And also, what is important to succeed in a company? It's very important to have that that information. As a leader, I think you want to bring people up. You want to to help others. And, and, And I always, for the employees that I talk to, I say, look, if you can find somebody that you respect, reach out to them. They'll, they'll probably they'll probably help you. If you're looking for somebody that looks exactly like you, you're not going to succeed. You have to look for people that you respect, for people that in, are in the field that you want to be in or in the areas that you want to be in and strike up a relationship with them. And this isn't your traditional kind of networking. It really is about how do I build an organic relationship with this person? Thank you. And the next topic I want to talk about, we in our little pre-interview, we talked about defining diversity in the energy field. And you brought something up. If you're in oil and gas, you're on you're in a global business and things are very different outside the US versus inside. So tell us a little bit about your thoughts there. Well, I think I think the the whole concept of diversity has 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 broadened over time. And as we started in the US, maybe with more focus on diversity from an EEOC perspective. I think now when we talk about diversity and inclusion, it's broader than how we've typically looked at it. So if you are, if you work for a global oil and gas company, you will have, you may have half of your assets and half of your people outside of the U.S. And so just by that fact, you're, you could be considered diverse. But even outside of the U.S., we still have issues where we need to be promoting more women, definitely, and certainly more in-country nationals. So there is an issue there. In the U.S., I think it's very specific that women and minorities are lagging in terms of being in the pipeline in our companies and also in the leadership of our companies and in some instances on our corporate boards. And so I just think that's something that we need to pay more attention to. And we need to be thinking real, you know, you talked about action earlier, about really focused on action and what and, and, and what things we need to do to improve our outcomes one of the things that I always say is the return on investment in, in our diversity initiatives is probably pretty low. And there's very few places in our business where we would accept those kinds of outcomes. And so I think we need to think about diversity as a, as a strategic business imperative, just like we do other areas of our business. And in terms of bringing more women into the field, a couple of thoughts here. One of my first Smart Energy Decisions events, uh, there was a table of women and I sat down and I said, tell me how you got into the field, what was your entree? And for a lot of them, it was the sustainability side more than the energy side because they didn't have the technical degrees, the engineering degrees, that experience. That's starting to change a little bit. 
But how do we bring more women into the field? And another thing you mentioned, you know, being from Oklahoma, oil and gas is something that you are somewhat familiar with. And that's not always true. It's not, I think we said it's it's a little under the radar and that it's not a consumer facing industry. So it might be harder to bring people in who hadn't thought about this type of career. So, so I think the first thing we have to do is tell our story better. I think if you think about the energy industry, whether it's oil and gas or in sustainability or in the gas pipeline business or water management or whatever, whatever it is, we need to tell a better story because we do have, we serve an incredible purpose and we provide energy for people every day and we support their quality of life. And so I think we've got to tell our story different. And, and I think we're not, we shouldn't be at odds in telling our, telling our story. It's not an either or, it's not either the oil and gas industry or sustainability or whatever. It's an and world. And I think we have to tell our, our story as an industry. As it relates to women in this field, I think, I think we have to start earlier. I work a lot with, with students, but we do have to start earlier in the process in terms of math and sciences if we're wanting to be, to have more women engineers. For me, probably some of the jobs that I have today, I may not have 20 years ago been able to get those jobs because I wasn't an engineer. But I think I think we're thinking about careers and, and, and those things a little differently today. But I just think it starts with promoting women to pursue these careers, telling our story better, getting to students earlier, and making sure that they have the support they need to succeed in this space. And certainly the engineering is important and the math and science is very important. Again, in our conversation earlier, you, used, you talked about the field as being highly technical, which I get. Mm-hmm. And that there is a purpose, which I certainly get. And you also said it's highly creative, which is not something an outsider might associate with oil and gas. Talk about that a little bit. I thought that was really interesting. Well, if, if you think about just in the power business, which, which, I, which I think your audience would be familiar with, we have a very disjointed power system. We have regulatory rules that are different in every, in every state and sometimes in different jurisdictions in the same state. And so in order to really figure out, you know, what's an effective way, an affordable way to deliver power, you have to be really, really creative to come up with commercial solutions that add value to your company. The other thing is, you know, when you think about the sheer size of some of the projects that we're involved in in my company, right? So some of those are billions of dollars that we spend on capital projects. You have to be creative in coming up with solutions that not only meet your needs, as an investor in these, but also you've got to work with governments, you've got to work with local constituents. So there's all these people that you have to you have to deal with. And so you have to have a level of creativity that that goes into that to be successful. And I think in the sustainability space, it may even be more pronounced where you need that creativity because you have maybe a smaller place to stay in, you're in an, an area of significant growth. And so you know, you have to be creative and thinking about the long term. It's a lot of skill sets, um, <laughs> which makes it very interesting, I think, and provides a lot of opportunity. Which is I great. think so. Yeah. I want to turn now to talking about ABE, American Association of Blacks and Energy, where you are chairman of the board. Tell us how you got involved with that association. So I always tell people that my relationship with ABE is a, is a love story. If you've worked in a, in a in a large corporation and and you happen to be female or you happen to be a minority, sometimes you feel like you're the only one there, and 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 you wonder about your probability of success. How successful can I be 
if I look above me and I don't see anybody that looks like me, I turn to my left and my right and I don't see anybody that looks like me. And so one of my mentors, who happened to be an African-American male, was one of the highest ranking engineers within Chevron at the time, was affiliated with Abe. And he said, look, I, I want you to come to this conference. And I went to the Abe conference and what I saw was, was amazing and it gave me hope. You've got 600, 700 African-American energy professionals at all levels, CEOs, C-suite professionals, subject matter experts, entrepreneurs, and they're in all aspects of the energy business. And they're all there to learn from each other. They're all there to support scholarships for those coming behind us. They're all there to have a really serious discussion around policy that impact communities of color. And so it was just such an incredible sort of introduction for me with this organization. And that was 10 years ago. And today I'm the chair of the board. And so for me, it's just one of those things where when you find something that you really believe in and you have passion around, then you're willing to dedicate that discretionary effort to that organization. I'm, I'm really proud of what Abe does and, and what I think it's going to continue to do in the future. And I think there's a, a, a really important role for the organization in this energy industry. It's interesting. We're familiar with their scholarship program. We had one of the winners as a guest at our event in Philly, and that was terrific. So when you said you've been part of Abe now for 10 years, what's been the biggest change or the biggest shift in priority that you've seen over that time? So I'd say we've focused a little bit more on leadership development. The focus will always be around policy and energy policy that impacts minority communities and communities of color. One of the things we know is that regardless of where you live, you pay the same amount for kilowatt hour of power and you pay the same amount for gasoline. And so communities of color pay a larger percentage of their income on those things. And so we want to make sure that as policy is developed, that it's fairly cost of fairly allocated across uh, demographics. But I do think we've had a lot more focus on leadership development. Certainly, we want to provide more scholarships to students. We want to encourage students to enter this industry. We think it's a great industry to be in. And then, of course, lately, we've really focused on racial equity because we think it's an imperative uh, right now with everything that's going on. And so we have created a platform to really engage with our sponsors, to engage with communities, to engage with our members around this platform of racial equity. And, we, and I think that's going to be an important platform for us in the future. And we're almost out of time, but I want you to, you've given us some great advice, but what final words would you have for people in this industry? What should they be doing? I always say the, the first thing is to, especially for leaders, to, to look within their own organizations and understand sort of the demographics and the diversity and the opportunities for those who aren't in the majority to succeed in their company. So I, I'd start there. I think the other thing is that having a diverse and inclusive organization and focusing on that is not a philanthropic event. It really is a business imperative. And so I think we have to get out of the mindset that we're doing something for the short term or that we're doing something because it's just a good thing to do. I fundamentally believe this is a business imperative. And I think that our businesses will be better off the more diverse they are, the more inclusive they are, the more employees feel valued. And certainly I think that we have to do a better job as it relates to African-Americans. So that, that would be my advice is to really look within your own organization, take a leadership role in this space, and then also look at it as a business imperative. And let me ask, is discussion fatigue really a thing? 
I, th- I think it is. I think it is. And I think it's, it's tough. And I think this, these subjects require leadership and courage because I do think there are, there are always going to be people who think it's not really an issue. There are going to be people who disagree with the focus on racial equity and, and in diversity and inclusion. And I think we just have to continue on the course because I think it's very important. We'll be better off as an industry and as a country if we continue to focus on it and just make sure that everyone feel, feels valued in our organizations. I'm glad you said that because we want to continue the discussion as well. So Talisa Tolliver, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for sharing your story in this book. I hope everybody gets a chance to read it because it's a terrific story. Thank you so much. And thanks for supporting our efforts. And thank you for having me here today. Thank you, Talisa and Deborah, for this important and inspiring conversation. If anyone that's listening to this episode is interested in receiving a free copy of the book, The Energy Within Us, I will mail you a complimentary copy to the first 10 people that request it. You can see the show notes for instructions on how to request the book. It's a great read, and I highly recommend it. I'd also like to thank you, our community of listeners, for listening to the podcast and being a part of the Smart Energy Decisions community. If you enjoyed the episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and tell your colleagues and peers about it. To learn more about how you can become a part of the next Smart Energy Decisions event, just click on the link in the show notes for more information. We're honored to have the opportunity to share important conversations like this featuring leaders of the energy transition in this podcast, on our website, and at our events, all in the interest of helping you make smart energy decisions. Thanks for listening to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast. Digest the insights from today's episode and take action on the ideas that have inspired you. Join us every Friday for conversations with smart energy leaders. We also invite you to check out another SED podcast, Beyond the Meter. Each episode of Beyond the Meter features innovative energy projects and initiatives by large electric power users. To keep up to date with trends and happenings in the energy transition, visit smartenergydecisions.com to register for our daily newsletter and become part of the Smart Energy Decisions community. 